0: You're listening to the Own the Build podcast where each week Liam Curley and Paul Hemming from CLink discuss how small and medium-sized developers can level up their business through smart construction management. So you mentioned that you want to
1: speak about program negotiations today. Mm. Why? Because I'm a QS, and I'm a sad QS, and these things bother me. I see so much uh, procurement, and so often everyone is very focused on money. Focused on budget, focused on getting the contract value, right, which obviously makes a lot of sense, but not focusing enough, in my opinion, on getting the program right, negotiating the program, and realizing that in exactly the same way you can negotiate discounts and so on at the early stage of procurement, tendering, you can do exactly the same with the program, which is gonna save you in ten weeks' time, fifty weeks' time, however long it is. So, and also, not only am I a sad, QS, but the conversations that we had with Jason Farnell a few episodes back, where we talked about carrot or stick. I thought it was actually a really interesting point, and it got me got me thinking about it. And I've had a few conversations with our clients since about incentivizing rather than hitting contractors, consultants, whoever, with a stick if on failures, and 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 that got me thinking about program negotiations and how things could be different, which is why I want to touch on your experience later, really, about how things were managed when you were a subcontractor.
0: Okay. So we're talking specifically about program negotiations, not programs themselves. What is program negotiations? Or what are program negotiations?
1: Yeah, I mean, without there's loads of different ways that you can do it. And there's pros and cons to different routes. The simplest way is to say how long. I mean, what is the duration that you're expected to be on site? So, let's let's do a roofing contractor. Right, seeing so as perhaps we'll get onto that a bit later. So, you, so you've you've got your price back of a hundred thousand pounds or whatever it is for roofing package. What is the program around that? What is the resource around that? Who's going to be the supervisor? Who's going to be X Y Z? Who's going to be on site? Number of operatives, etc. So the simplest way is to say 10 weeks is, is what it's gonna take, but there are loads of other benefits in drilling down a little bit deeper in terms of preceding trade. So for a roofer, what's, what's coming first is the structure, is the scaffold, I guess there's lots of different things that would come and you as the buyer, as the developer or main contractor in this case, have the opportunity to uh, smooth out and prevent future issues by discussing and negotiating the program. I'm not saying anything that is news here. What I'm saying is a lot of people don't focus on it. And if you do that, you can A, find out what is needed to get the contractor to to maximize their efficiency. So I could be saying to you, what is the perfect situation for you on site? What prevents you? How can I work through that? How can I prevent that? At what point can you start? So that A, you facilitate a more productive site for them. B, you engage those prior to them to progress more quickly. Perhaps in their contracts, you give the brickie or the scaffolder in this case, a um, bit more understanding of what their key dates are so that it helps those that follow and just helps progress things better. And And then if they fail, the roofing contractor, you know that either it was a failure of those that followed before them, those that came before them, sorry, or those that, or there isn't actually a problem, and they never explain it to you, and therefore you have the means to analyse things with them. So it's, it's, it's not dissimilar to how we discussed a, that architectural consultants' agreement and putting thought into it, making it logical, understanding the process will benefit so much in the, in the longer term. And that's, I guess, is the outset of what I am trying to say here for programme negotiations. Okay,
0: so I think some of this is news, actually, for small developers, small contractors. But let's let's clarify something here. Are we talking about program negotiations between a principal contractor or a developer acting as a principal contractor and the subcontractors? Or are you also talking about the developer negotiating with the main contractor? Either. So... As a subcontractor, a small subcontractor working on small residential projects that were probably in the value of, I don't know, between three and five million, something like that, for the total bill. Yeah. And I never got, I don't remember a scenario where we were negotiating on program or where uh, that conversation even came into play. You were always negotiating on price, lip service. I don't even remember lip service. I just remember just being asked how long it's going to take or being asked for the program from program from my package. And that was it. So my assumption is that there's possibly more negotiation between a, a client and a main contractor.
1: Naturally, yeah, the package is bigger. There's more in- interfaces. There's much more going on. So yes, of course. Right. So when, when should the... the principal
0: contractor let's just call them the principal contractor and that could be a developer or a main contractor right when should they start negotiating on program during the tender process
1: right from the outset i mean it's more than likely on a on a on a project where you're negotiating a main contract it's more than likely that uh, the conversation about the program is going to be quite detailed from from the outset and the question really for A main contractor, and it depends, again, with procurement route, design, build, traditional, whatever. Which procurement route you're on will dictate program. But there's always going to be stuff that precedes you. If you're the main contractor, there is stuff that precedes you. And if you're the developer, there is stuff that is in your responsibility that you need to arrange and organize and coordinate so that the main contractor is successful. Both the main contractor and the developer in this case, and in any case, right, when they're talking at tender stage, both want a successful project, right? Both realise that there is elements of work that they have to do. By debating the programme, by discussing the programme in detail, both parties have a greater understanding of the expectations and requirements of one another, have a greater understanding of the key milestones, and have a greater understanding of what they need to do to ensure that certain things happen. So... This, again, this is quite simple stuff when you think about it. You think, practically speaking, I need to understand the full detail of the programme. I need to understand all of these different components. That is one major part of it. How you put that into the contract is up for debate, and perhaps that conversation doesn't necessarily need to happen right here because you can put into the contract just a duration which there's an argument to say that's better for the uh, contractor, there's an argument to say that's better for the developer, or you can put in a detailed program which says you're going to do X here, X here, X here, X here, like and, and in full detail. If I was the developer... Like I, a Gantt chart. Or exactly, like yeah, I mean, in simple terms, yeah, a Gantt chart. I mean, if I was the developer, given that more onus is on the main contractor than is on me... I mean, I, I, I'm aware I have to coordinate the design team and hand them over or I have to have certain things ready to get the main contractor up and running. But as the developer, I'd be more interested to know, as the person procuring, what is your sequence? Because it's like, it's like we said last week, you don't want to get to 14 weeks into the project and think, are we late or are we not? It feels like we're late, but I'm not sure that we're late. So understanding that sequence is absolutely paramount so that you can understand where you are and your trajectory, if you need to accelerate, if you don't need to accelerate, lots of simple things. Many might be more hesitant to go into that detail. In the same way, I imagine, as a roofer, you were probably a little less hesitant to say, look, we're going to do first fix in week one, then we're going to do this, but then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, because if you didn't quite deliver on that, as happens, right? Look, I'm not suggesting that everything runs perfectly, but because if you didn't deliver on that, someone could say to you, you haven't done what you said you were going to do. You might be doing the guttering or the copings or, or whatever it was, right? In this week, why aren't you doing them? They're not even on site. You're late, so for the contractor, there's less desire to do that. But by the same token, as a contractor, you can push back and give onus to all the things that you need to happen beforehand. So, do you see, do you see what I mean? So, what I'm, what, like, it doesn't really matter how how you do it. Yeah, let's take a step back though.
0: Let's talk more about, rather than how, so rather than the specifics of how detailed the program is, contractor has given you their program. What are you negotiating on? How are you approaching that?
1: Okay, so the contractor has given me their program. I am not tendering with just one contractor. So I've actually got three programs. I'm going to analyze the three programs of the three contractors that have tendered you'd imagine that they're all going to be in the same order of magnitude, right? If if one stands out at 70 weeks versus 50 weeks and the others are all in that ballpark, then you instantly think perhaps there's an anomaly there in the same way you would with the value, right? If someone was at 2 million and everyone else at 1.5, you'd think the same. So you've got the three that you're analyzing, you're discussing all three with the contractors. You're starting to understand, okay, the big critical issue here or the main chunk of work is the groundwork that's going to take three months, and everyone seems to agree that that's where the risk is. Everyone seems to understand that. But through those negotiations and discussions, you're actually starting to understand, hang on a minute, I don't think the roof is going to take six weeks with the contractor that I actually want to give the job to because the other two are saying four weeks and they're actually staggering it against the scaffold or whatever. When I'm talking about programme negotiations, it's not in isolation. You're learning and understanding more about your project by discussing it with... People that you're tendering with, in exactly the same way that you're very interested and very happy to discuss about the overall price, and that's the important distinction and clarification I'm trying to make. here, is that focus on your program, get it right in exactly the same way you're doing with the price. Programs often then lead to claims in some way. If if things are late, whether it's your fault or the other party's fault, people are always going to say, "What was the program? What was the expectation? What was the benchmark?" And so if it is late, you're gonna be you're gonna suffer the consequences of not having gone into it. And it's gonna extend your contract sum anyway, increase it if you don't get it right. So it's important to get it right in exactly the same way it's important to get the contract sum right.
0: I wanted to take a quick break from the show to share a message from our sponsor, C Link. Sync is software designed to streamline the process of subcontract procurement. It's a platform that helps SME developers and main contractors stay agile whilst replicating the commercial scale and savvy of large contractors. If you want to save a guaranteed minimum 5% against budget construction costs on your next project, head to wwwgetc link dot com slash podcast to find out more. If you're driving or working out right now and didn't catch that URL, don't sweat it. We've included the link in the description box for this episode. Now let's get back to the show. What I want to know is they come back, the contractors, with their price and with their programs, programs are different. So we've got to a point, we understand your program, we understand your program, and we understand there's differences in the program. The prices vary a little bit. So how are you gonna approach the contractor and what does a negotiation look like on program once you've understood?
1: I am not advocating here that you say to the expert, Forget your program. That I think is done in fifty weeks. I think you should do it in forty weeks. That's not what I'm saying. But now we're at a point where we understand the program. Now it's about incentivising the program, which is exactly what we were speaking last week with uh, Jason Farnell about, or a few weeks ago. And this is where I think. So we've done the we've done the exercise of we we understand the program, and now we're at the point where we want to say carrot. Or stick the typical approach has always been, let's put liquidated and la and ascertain damages into the contract. Lads, let's say uh, it's going to cost it's going to cost me five thousand pounds a week if I don't finish this on time. So if you don't finish on time every week, you're late five thousand pounds a week. Comes a bit of a nightmare to manage for anyone who's been involved in the extension of time claims. They're just there's no real winner from the whole process. And at the end of the day, you're just recovering costs. And what we were talking about with Jason in the context of consultant agreements really resonated with me. And I was actually speaking to a developer who I know quite well. Who And I was just asking them, have you ever offered bonuses, anything like that to incentivize? And they, they were saying, oh, it doesn't really... Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. We try to be quite open-minded to it, but we often find that there's there's times when at the very outset you think it works, but then over the course of a, a year you potentially lose energy. By the, t- by the time you're three months in and you're late, there's no hope of us ever hitting that, so we're kind of back to, back to square one. What I was discussing with that chap, his really, really interesting approach to how, how he manages things, was how could you approach it differently sticking with the main contracts example so the main contractor let's say it's a 10 flats with a basement or something like that you could chop it into milestones and what you could say is like basement waterproofing if you hit that by this date you've said you're going to hit it after 12 weeks if you hit it at 10 weeks uh, you get a bonus of x then you go from basement waterproofing to shell and core so you've got the frame up let's say that you're saying that'll be 24 weeks if you hit that by 20 weeks you'll get another bonus there so on and so forth and the reason why it's interesting to incentivize, and this is what I wanted to ask you about with your experience uh, as a roofing contractor you were probably running multiple contracts at any time a couple of projects at a at time I'm not sure but I'm assuming none of them incentivized you to do it no beyond there's LADs or I'm going to give you a hard time or there's it's it's more. I'm gonna erode your profit, than I'm gonna make you more profit. Is is yeah. the approach which you, we you, as a bit we as an industry have taken, right? And yeah, it is. you very
0: rarely got much love. I mean, yeah, that's it it it's, it's not
1: what happens, is it?
0: Heavy-handed. It would be threats or veiled threats throughout. If you weren't performing, if something went wrong, then um, the threat of LODs will rise over your head. I was wondering whether if if you incentivize people to speed up their work are you potentially increasing the possibility that the quality is going to suffer
1: there is there, there's definitely that which has to be uh, considered and has to be managed i mean Does it need to be tied to the defects liability
0: period as well because Defects
1: liability period will be in the contract. Regardless yeah, I know you have retention and it'll be in the
0: contract. But what I'm the, the reason I raise that is if there's incentives or if during a tender process we've negotiated on the program, however, in, in whatever way, whether you give me discounts or, or, or I've increased my price or whatever. And so I get it done quicker. And as a result, it isn't as good as it should be. But my goal was just get in get out get it signed off
1: yeah there's definitely that as a as a a challenge uh with this as always a competing argument isn't it my my feeling is that regardless you've got to have a quality system in place of some sort on a project you've got a hand have a handover system of some regard in place so what you're actually saying is that you can have that bonus but it's not when it's finished on site it's when your QA is signed off and handed over for that and when you do basement waterproofing going back to that you're going to have to get the basement waterproofing signed off. It's going to have to be warranted. So that's your point where the bonus happens. And it's not... Yeah, but you can get
0: you can get those things signed off. So getting... To, I mean, we're probably diverting, right? But roofing is a good example, right? Because there are a lot of roofing systems if you're talking about flat roofing as opposed to pitch. Flat roofing systems, there are dozens on the market. And the quality of the the manufacturer approval system varies dramatically. And so you can speed up things and get things signed off for certain manufacturers and not others because because they're just, they're, their QA is just not very good. But that's probably that's probably going on a-, a It's
1: probably... by the by, right? If, if you're choosing that product, you're gonna have the same issue whether however you manage it, you've got to manage quality, right? You've got to have a system in place where quality is managed. And that's with the incentive or without the incentive. And if you're managing quality, I think you make a really good point. I don't want to, like, you're giving them the carrot and saying, rush. That's not necessarily the the greatest thing to do. But if you're giving them the carrot and saying, it has to be delivered in exactly this fashion. Again, a bit more forethought. This is the quality, that we. this is the handover process for that. Once we have that, if you do that within X weeks, you will get a bonus. I can't see a reason why you wouldn't do that if you are appropriately managing it. Um, yeah. LADs,
0: I mean, are LADs, do you have to have LADs as a, as a
1: principal contractor? You, you, you don't. I mean, LADs originally came off with more commercially-minded projects in mind, right? So if you're building a Tesco's, and you're meant to finish it on the 31st of December and they're expecting £50,000 of revenue on the 1st of January it's very simple in a very calculated way to say the LADs are £50,000 because that's what we're going to lose for every day that we miss out they have been treated in a slightly different way and people kind of just use them in a lot of cases incorrectly so a main contractor might give a roofing contractor exactly the same LADs that they have when it should be a portion of it or whatever but LADs do work, it's a deterrent, isn't it? But what I'm advocating for here is incentivizing, in flipping it, Liam, as you always like to do, and changing the mentality to chase more profit or I'm offering you more profit to give me priority. So going back to your roofing contractor scenario, you've got two projects running and you've got 10 fixers. Right, you've got 10 roofers. Both have five. Two roofers call up sick on Monday. We've now got eight. One project says if you finish this week, you're going to get paid an extra thousand pounds. One doesn't. Which project gets the resource? Which project is always prioritised? Which project gets the best resource? It's those things, and and that's not good. you're not going to say to your guys, do everything you can, forget quality, let's go after it because you're you, you know you're then going to it's going to bring problems down the line, etc. But you're going to say, you know what, rather than putting four guys on one and four guys on another, I'm going to leave the five on that project and that project's going to suffer and get three because it's in my interest as a business commercially to make that decision. It's going to be more profitable for me. And what I'm saying is to kind of bring everything wrapped up, focus on your program, negotiate the and understand the program with those that are tendering. Once you have that information, you should know what you actually think it takes to get it done, you're not blind. Then at that point, when you're busy at the same time negotiating a discount, you'll you will be in a point that almost everyone will do it. At the point of the end of a tender, they say, I need a discount to get this over line. Someone will offer 2%, 3%, whatever, right? Let's say it's a million pound contract and keep it simple. And someone says, I need a 3% discount, and the job is yours. They give you that 3% discount. And you then say, actually, you can have that back if you hit this deadline on the basement waterproofing I'm going to give you 10,000 pounds. If you hit this deadline on weather-tightening the building, I'll give you another 10,000 pounds and if you hit the overall deadline, I'll give you a further 10,000 pounds or break it up however you want to do it. You can make it much more you can make it 5 5 and 20, right? But you're not actually losing anything through doing that. The project is massively gaining and you're getting it within budget and you're getting it on time which is the most important thing whereas most people say I'll take the 970,000 not really sure what's going on with the program hopefully it's going to work out okay I don't really understand it and uh if it doesn't I'll I'll just screw over the the, the contractor anyway and take 10k off them each week on LADs and as we've said before it's not the uh it's not the spot anyone wants to be in. You want to be in the spot where you're shaking hands with someone saying, amazing job done, exactly as we planned. And there's that extra money for a job well done.
0: Yeah. So we're not necessarily talking about program negotiations as such. We're talking about incentivization and program management, I guess. Clarity. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think, yeah, just wrapping this up, if you like. and And I can only speak for relatively smaller projects. But um, I very rarely got asked about program other than, what's your program? You you would have it in the tender return, you know, uh, three weeks to do this, one week to do that. I mean, I was a roofing contractor, so, you know, a hundred thousand pound roofing package is not a long time.
1: Yeah, and it's not as high risk as the main contract example we've been taking, but, regardless of what it is
0: but if you're doing that with every subcontractor then you're kind of leaving it all in their hands and I remember when I was early into uh, in in contracting I wasn't putting in my tender return what my program was and I wasn't receiving any questions about the program and I, I suspect that's pretty common amongst small developers too
1: it definitely is. It, for, uh, and I firsthand see that many times over on a lot of the tenders that we see through Ceiling. That it's still, even though we're encouraging it, it's still people are worried about the money for very good reason, but not realizing that this is the program is very much tied up with the money and uh, you need to focus on it.
0: So, no more LADs, like carrots only gonna be like peter rabbit
1: yeah all QSs are gonna think oh it, all QSs are gonna think i'm a lunatic but yeah get rid of lads or keep them as as your final final backup but incentivize and get people focused on uh, doing your job rather than the job down the road great okay thanks paul see you next time cheers liam see you next time